0: Well, I hope you don't mind me uh, sitting down in front of you because you're all sitting down in front of me. So there. Um, it's about a year ago, I was just coming off a ventilator. Thanks to your prayers and God honoring your prayers. The assassins failed again. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Tina and I want to thank you for having us back here. We love being with y'all and thank you for this opportunity to uh, share God's word today and thank you for supporting our, our efforts to rescue children. We really appreciate it. Um, if I cough a little bit, I'm still kind of recovering. I don't have COVID. It's just my throat. So don't run out of the, don't run out of the sanctuary, okay. Um, so with that, um, why don't we open with some prayer okay? Father, you are the creator of heaven and earth. Please open our hearts to receive your word this day. In your name, amen. (coughs) We kind of live in a world where man has taken the principles of God and either abandoned them or turned them upside down on their heads. I think that's a little evident where moral absolutes are being erased, and truth and honor are being redefined to the suit, the corruptible nature of everything that Satan wants to accomplish. And in that process, it is about to destroy everything that you love in this life if you miss the point of your existence. And that's what we're going to talk about today the point of your existence. When we stand in the mirror each morning and look at ourselves, remember that the value, our value exactly, is not in anything that you have done in life. It is in who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I remember know my father, Green Beret, very accomplished man. Uh, it was a point in his life when he retired He was totally lost because he found such value in what he had done and at a moment not in who he was. As his children, we could care less what he had done. I didn't care how many medals he got, how many bronze stars, how many silver stars, whatever. It was my dad, right? So remember that. It's not in what you do. The people that really love you don't care what you do. They just love you for who you are. So are we the people that realize it is our heart and not the dictionary that gives meaning to our words? Matthew 12, 35 says, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. So by the time I finish today, I want all of us here to become people who get the attention of the world and then you impact it. I want us to become people who take the fight to the enemy, who are tired of sitting back as evil takes over our country and the world. I want us to be those type of people that fulfill our biblical destiny and become the men and women God created us to be, fearless in your mind, in your body, and in your spirit. So let's begin. Who are we? Do you ever sit at home, front of your fireplace, on a snowy day, not like today of course, <laughs> and actually ask yourself the question, who are we? Who am I? A lot of times people go through their entire life and they never sit with God or with themselves and go, who am I? Well, I'll tell you who you are, at least all the people that are here today serving God. And you may not even know this about yourself. You may have never seen yourself as this, but God does. We are warriors. That's who we are. Everybody in here is a warrior. Warriors are the only ones who'll stand between the enemy and our loved ones, our country, and whatever else we value. That's what warriors do. Once we become a warrior, we cannot be something else. That is who we are. That is who God created us to be. It becomes a part of our DNA. In fact, I would go as far to say That it is part of our spiritual DNA from the very beginning when God put you on this earth. For such a time as this, you were created. Too many people fight against themselves to become something other than what they are, other than what God made them to be, warriors. (laughs) So by the time you leave here today, if you're gonna try to be something else, Might as well stop now because it's not going to work. You are what God created you to be, warriors. Then there are those who wake up and smell the coffee later in life, and they fulfill their destiny. If you haven't been aware of that, maybe you will wake up today and smell the coffee and walk out of here, and your life will be changed. You will take the battle to the enemy. (coughs) Instead of waiting for the enemy, Satan, to show up on your own doorstep. I know this to be true because (coughs) I've lived it for generations, from the time my own grandfather, before he came to the United States, fought against the Ottoman Empire, to all my uncles and my father who served in the military from Korea through Vietnam, and myself being downrange since 1978 when I joined the Marine Corps, my time in CIA special operations, my time as a contractor, and my time doing child rescues for the Association for the Recovery of Children, also known as ARC. So what I learned to embrace was who I am. And take the examples of warriors like David and Gideon, who love God with all their hearts and use their skill set to further the purposes of God. Not my purposes, but the purposes of God. I have a phrase I use with all my men in the field when things get really tough, and it's this. We fall where we stand. We fall where we stand. It's our way of saying that we will never retreat. We'll never allow the enemy to get by. I remember hearing someone tell the story about an unpredictable set of circumstances thrust upon the shoulders of my father as he commanded a unit in Vietnam and very humble my father was, I had to hear it from other people. And on a given night, when all the ammo ran out, (coughs) the enemy was coming through the wire, and my father gave the battle cry, fix bayonets, fix bayonets, no more ammo. Face the enemy face to face, hand-to-hand combat. The enemy came through the wire, and when the sun came up the next morning, not all were standing, but the battle had been won and the enemy was defeated. Now, that's something I have never personally experienced in all of my combat time. And I'm not sure I really want to. But they held their ground that night at all cost. Why? Because they were defending someone and something they loved and my father was sending a message to the enemy that it was not going to be easy for them and if they wanted to give it a go, then they were in for the fight of their lives. It took great sacrifice and courage, but most of all, most of all, it took giving control up to God. How many of us here today have someone we love? Of course. Someone maybe who passed away and has already gone into the afterlife. Someone we loved more than the world. Anybody got that? Of course we do. Did they sacrifice for us? Yeah. Remember the life of the dead is placed in the memory of the living. How did they sacrifice for each of you? And more importantly, how did you sacrifice for them? So let me tell you something that will set things in stone for all of us. For all those people that you love that are no longer here, honor them with the way you live your life, every single day, because they sacrificed for you. Honor them with the way you live your life. Not unlike honoring Jesus, who sacrificed for us. Honor him with the way you live your life. When we don't do our best, when we destroy ourselves with drugs and alcohol, pornography, anger, greed, etc., etc., we're being so selfish and so irresponsible. Cut and dry. There are no excuses. And as you all know, all the excuses smell the same. They stink. It's the first thing you tell your kid. I don't want an excuse. Just do it right. Right? We are, in essence, delinquent in our duties when we do that. It's like laying down our arms or sleeping on post, knowing that the enemy, Satan, is just outside the gates waiting to enter. The enemy, the darkness, call it what you want, Satan wants to destroy everything we love. Our families, our jobs, our relationships with the Holy Father, because it and he is afraid that we will say to Satan, we fall where we stand. And so Satan will do whatever he can to pull us off post and it isn't really us allowing him to do so it's us making a choice to do it our choice we choose to leave our post and if we do I can assure you Satan will breach the gates he'll come in and he'll slaughter every single person and thing we hold dear to us Our families, our friends, our jobs, our sound mind, our income, our health, your country, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, many foolish people who usually hear me talk this way (laughs) make a statement to me later after a service or something. And sometimes out in public, and they'll say, well, I don't believe in Satan. And in fact, I don't even believe in God. Kind of to keep themselves neutral. Well, let me tell you something. Satan or God does not need your belief or your disbelief in order to exist. And in the scheme of things, people who make those statements need to deal with their smallness. Because when they die, they're gonna stand in front of one or the other. I've yet to see any man or woman Stop themselves from dying when God calls them home. To call it what you want, but there is a greater power than mankind. So the battle for souls is as real as the battle for the flesh. Like I said, we're 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 only people that stand. We're the only people that stand between the enemy and the people we love. That's it. There's nobody else going to do it for you. You're the only person standing between what Satan wants to do and your family and your friends and your town and your country and the list goes on and on and on. So as I said, honor them with the way you live your life. Be strong, stay in God's word, set the examples of holiness, and do not, I repeat, do not allow the enemy to come through the wire even if you run out of ammo, and if they do, Guess what? Then you fix bayonets, and you ready yourself to get bloody and to take the enemy with you into the trenches. And when you have them down there, you are relentless. That's right. Dealing with Satan and spiritual warfare is not fluff and duff. It's warfare, and it gets nasty. And God will give you that strength to be the warrior you need to be to fight the great fight. You may not feel you're tough enough in yourself. Don't worry, when God shows up, everything changes. You become mighty warriors. So why don't we make this as our vow as a warrior because it is who we are. It is who God made us to be. And you cannot be, you cannot not be that. It's our brand into eternity Now many of you will say that what I'm asking takes more than what you have in life to give now. Perhaps you're beaten down. Perhaps it's a road traveled that has the battle long and hard and you're tired. I get it, many of us have been there. Let me offer you an answer to eternal strength to help you endure this battle. The spiritual weapon that never runs out of ammo. It's the spiritual 7.82 gear that is lighter than a feather. It's the spiritual armor that no 7.62 can penetrate. And the spiritual camo gear that never has interference. It's called trust. That's it. It's simple. It's trust. And for the purposes of this presentation today, trust in God. Ah, but trust. Trust requires understanding, boss. If we can understand who God is and what God's doing in our life, and we can understand where we need to go and why we need to go there, then we can accomplish the mission and make things work out as we expected according to our battle plan, then we can control things better. And that's how a warrior wins the war. Wrong, 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 spanky. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding And all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Most people have conversations with themselves when things don't exactly go as expected. You ever had that? All day long, all night long? Can't go to sleep? Yeah, because you're still having that conversation. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) They waste energy trying to understand why trying to figure out what went right and what went wrong. And until they can do that, they won't move forward to fight the next battle. Now I'm not saying not to learn from our mistakes, but if moving forward to engage the enemy is dependent upon you understanding every single thing that happened in the previous incursion, and in particular why it happened, fear will creep in and there's a good chance we will hesitate to take the battle to the enemy when the next opportunity presents itself because you're wrapped up in yesterday. An example. Let's say you're standing in the street with me. All of you if you want. (laughs) The middle of the street. Now, next to the street is a sidewalk that we've created or God created It's safe, that's where people walk, on the sidewalk, right? But for some reason on this day, we decide to stand in the middle of the street, having a conversation. You can do it here in Warren. I've stood in the middle of the street in Warren. Along comes a car and hits us, and we get up and we survive. And I look at you and I go, did you see that? What was that guy thinking? And you go, I don't know what he was thinking. And I go, Why did he do that? And you go, I don't know why he did that. (laughs) Did you see the color of that guy's hair? Yes, it's crazy. Why does he have purple hair? And did you see the car he was driving? How could we get knocked down by a smart car? (laughs) Who drives a smart car in Warren anyway? That guy's from out of town. Why, 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 why? And we're standing there debating on why that happened to us. You know what's gonna happen? Another car is going to come by and hit us. <laughs> you might not survive that one. You might not survive that one. That's very good. <coughs> get out of the road. First thing. Get on the sidewalk where you're supposed to be. The path that God, the straight and narrow, the straight path that God gave you. Now, if you're moving forward to get to wherever you were going in the first place, is going to be hindered by you sitting there wondering why that guy hit us. You may never see that guy ever again your entire life. And you're just gonna be standing there in life, not going forward, not fighting another battle, not doing what God wants you and orders you to do. And so many of us, we're not saying it's not traumatizing to get hit by the car. We're not saying it's not devastating, to have something happen in your life. We're not saying any of that doesn't hurt. What we're saying is, what's your mission, and why is it important to understand? It's not. And when you can get to the point where you don't need to understand everything that happens in your life, but you just trust in God and lean not into your own understanding, you will find that your life changes, and you will be constantly moving forward. You will be constantly engaging the enemy. You will constantly be winning battles because we defeat ourselves. Satan has no power over us. We allow him to breach the gate. We allow him to come through the wire. We do that. Now as warriors, it's good to know everything we can about the enemy. And in warfare, the enemy actually does the same. About us, they try to know everything about all of us in here, and do whatever they can to create distractions, so that they can launch another attack from a different direction. True, you ever seen that happen? Yeah. Right when you think you got this, you know, fixed, boom! And all of a sudden, Satan hits you from another direction. You didn't even see it coming. How many people have been downrange? How many veterans do we have here? Any veterans? Thank you for your service. So you know that term for those that don't, when we talk about being downrange, it's just a term we use for combat experience. How many of you that went downrange and maybe others studied the history of warfare and better yet spent years experiencing it? Anybody else besides me? Okay. (coughs) There's a thing if you haven't heard of it in warfare, the history of warfare, It's called the indirect approach on the battlefield, and you need to know it. We're going to make, we're going to help you be better warriors today. This is often what we use to defeat our enemy, and our enemy uses it to defeat us, and your enemy being Satan. And perhaps in your debriefing of life, you can recall if you've ever been attacked this way. There's a thing called the indirect approach, and it, means there's a dislocation, the dislocation is the aim of strategy, okay? That's that's what we're trying to do is, dislocation is the aim of strategy, direct attacks, and remember this, direct attacks almost never work. So, for example, if all of a sudden Satan appeared in front of you, do you think he would be surprising you? A little bit, but then you would know it was Satan, right? And you could defend yourself because there he is right in front of you, I know that guy, and I know what to do. But what if you never saw him coming? What if you're not paying attention? What if he looks like something else? What if he looks like the angel of light? What if he's deceptive? And you don't see him until he's behind you getting ready to cut your throat, Okay. So direct attacks never work. One must advance along the line, get this now, In warfare, one must advance along the lines of least resistance, of least resistance. A direct approach by Satan to you is exhausting and allows you to harden your resistance by compression, whereas an indirect approach by Satan loosens your hold by upsetting your balance. So what are the eight rules of this strategy that Satan follows. We're going to teach it to you this morning so you can know what you're looking for. He adjusts his ends to their, his means. Two, he keeps his objective always in mind. Three, he chooses the line of least expectation. You know what that means? Yeah, you know what that means, right? The line of least expectation. It's like where you're not expecting him to be he exploits the line of least resistance. You think, well, I can look at a little pornography, just a little. No, he knows, and he can make that that little bit more and more and more and more. He takes the line of operations, which offers the most alternatives. How many weaknesses do these people have in their lives? Oh, you have one. Oh. She has five. Oh, he has 25. He ensures that both plans and depositions are flexible. He's always flexible. He does not throw his weight into an opponent while he is on guard. So if you stay prayed up, you're in the word, guess what? You're always on guard, right? But if you're not on guard, he's going to come get you. He does not renew an attack along the same lines of attack that had failed before. You resist him here, but you're not resisting him here or here or wherever it is. He's going to go there instead. Therefore, I submit on this day that obviously trying to understand everything God is doing in our life opens us up to all eight of these tactics by the enemy. Because when you're spending all that time asking why, 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 what are you not doing? You're not watching for Satan. And he uses all of those tactics to hit you in life. (laughs) Because when we spend so much time on trying to understand why, what, when, where, and how God was involved in every level, it in itself becomes a distraction. And our life is off balance. It no longer is about God, it's about us, and our obsession to understand. It is an obsession, it may be an addiction. It's our obsession to understand, instead of leaning not into our own understanding, but trusting our God. Tina and I had a gentleman come to our house a couple weeks ago, and he said something really amazing. You would have thought out of my 66 years on this earth, I would have thought of this, but I didn't. He said, you know, I don't always know where I'm going in life, but I'm so in love with the guy I'm following, Jesus Christ, that I just trust him. Like, he doesn't need to know where he's going. And I submit, nor do you or I. But if we love that guy so much that we say we do, then we trust him. When a little kid goes in the woods with his dad around here to go hiking or in Colorado, if he's four years old or five years old, he did not know where he's going. But his mom or dad who's leading, he follows and he trusts in that relationship. So as I said, When we obsess about that, it's no longer about God, it's about us and that obsession to understand. We make a lot of things about ourselves. We do, every day. I do, you do, we all do. We have to catch ourselves. We dig our feet in so deep that we can't move forward or don't intend to move forward in life or throw out all of our marching orders. Then we forget our Bible study We ignore our quiet time with God sitting before his altar. We lose sleep. We lose our servant's heart because we're doing so much brain bashing. Whatever it is, we don't understand about why God did whatever he did. We don't understand. So like a dog with a bone, we won't let it go. When this happens, as I mentioned earlier, the enemy can apply any and all of those tactics I shared with you against us. So, stop having conversations with ourselves. We're flawed as humans and we cannot control all the uncontrollable circumstances, nor do we know what the master plan for our life is and how to navigate the fault lines that ultimately lead to the success of his master plan. He's the commander in chief, we're not. Have our conversations with God. And in that conversation, remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, okay? Which is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. The sidewalk. You do not need to understand we're able to embrace and accept God for who He is and the fact that he loves us and has our best interests at hand. It's also that point that we no longer waste energy on things we absolutely have no control over. (coughs) Ah, Which brings me to control. I see people squirming, like me. How many of us like being in control? Oh, lying is a sin. I can't believe you guys aren't raising your hand. Joking, of course. Well, not that it's a sin, I mean, but I'm done with <laughs> how many of us get frustrated we cannot control the outcome of events? Sure we do. And how many of us get frustrated and even angry when things are out of control and we don't understand why? Of course. We're human. So let me share this with all of us might come as a surprise to many of us. Ours is never to be in control. And if we think we'll ever be in control, then we're barking up the wrong tree. God is in control. Just like the very breath that we breathe. He controls that. He controls everything. And the sooner we give into that reality, which by the way, isn't going to change until we leave this planet, the sooner we will relieve ourselves of a lot of stress and frustration. (laughs) Ours is to only apply ourselves, our God-given talents and skill sets, and give it 100% of everything you have. The outcome is God's. Everything. It's always God's. Why do you think Gideon said, Let's go down there and see what God will do, what God will do. Everyone remember that story? 3,000 to 300, great victory. Yeah. And believe it or not, you and I have absolutely no control over the outcome of things. We can apply ourselves and if we've done it correctly, we can influence the outcome to some degree but even that can change at the flip of a switch. We've all seen that happen. If God wants it to be different than we anticipated, then it will be different. God loves us. His outcome is good for us. And trust me, it is really bad for the enemy. That's right. yeah. God is not mean, but God can be dangerous especially against those who foolishly go up against him and his people. Rich and I were having this conversation earlier, and I said I was trying to find a place in my life where I maintained my spiritual compassion. I studied the scriptures for many, many years trying to find this. And I realized we're all sinners, and there's a difference, though, between sinners and the wicked. And he touched on that. Sinners are generally people that respect God, they make mistakes, they repent, they go before God's altar, ask for forgiveness. The wicked spit in God's face. They know what they're doing is wrong. They defy His holy laws. This is what you see in the world now. Do you know what God says about the wicked? That they should be destroyed. So, forgive me if you don't agree with this, but I haven't found it to be any different in the scriptures, and there may be a theologian in here that is much wiser than me. I pray for sinners all around the world, including myself. The wicked, I pray for destruction. I pray what God's mind is. And for the face face community, we've been confused on that for many, many years. The enemy is wicked. And until God changes my heart, I am going to continue to pray that fire comes from heaven and burns up the wicked. No different than what God says He will do in Revelations at the end of time. It is not smart to defy God. You don't want to get thrown in that category of "I used to be a sinner, but now I'm wicked." I'm telling you what, those flames—those flames are hot. As I mentioned before, it's good to know the enemy and make sure the enemy not only remains outside the gate, but that we take it upon ourselves to leave our green zone or our fortress and go hunt Satan down. Your job is not to come to church every Sunday and sit here and soak up all the the great vibes and the, the great music and all. This is a place where you're putting your armor on. Do you know that? You come here to get your armor put on so that the next six days out there, you're doing battle. Yeah. You don't come in here to hide. You don't come in here to escape from the world. That's not what this is for. It's not the gathering of the saints. It's not, it's not what you come here to get re-energized, to get your armor on, so that you can go out there for the next six days and do the battle. Come on. And come back on, and if you got pieces knocked off, you get them back on, polish up your armor if you want to, Then you go back out. That's what Sundays are for, or Saturdays, or gatherings of Christians, small groups, whatever it may be. It's to get you suited back up for battle. And you need to be going out there, and you need to be looking, where is Satan out here in Warren, Pennsylvania? Where is he? I'm going to find him. I'm going to get him. I'm dragging him into the trenches with me, and I will be relentless. Whether that's door to door, city to city, nation to nation, and with the strength of God, send him and all those who work for him back to the pits of hell for eternity. Because that's what God said he's going to do. Nehemiah 4.14 says this. Do not be afraid of the enemy, remember the Lord, and imprint him on your mind, great and terrible, and take from him courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. The verse above in Nehemiah shows Nehemiah a strong and wise leader. Not only did he seek and rely on God, he also knew that the people needed to be ready to fight in the strength of the Lord. Let me encourage all of us today to fight for your homes. Fight for our children. Fight for our right to live under the grace of God and not be bound by legalism. Fight for your right to be happy. Fight for your faith. That means to hold on, don't give up, and above all of that, trust God because He is standing shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield with all of us and fighting for us. Refuse to settle for anything less than everything God has for us and be thankful that with God on our side, there is no way, absolutely no way, we can ever lose the fight. And this is the point of your existence. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you for righteous people. Thank you for people that love you, We are willing, so send us every day, just send us. We may not do it right at first, but with you standing with us, we'll eventually get it right. We pray for our nation, we pray for our cities, our town, we pray for Warren, Pennsylvania. ask that you would do miraculous things here, Father, that you would surround this community with your angels and with your Holy Spirit, Then people all over the world will know there's something different about this church, about this community. They'll know there's something different about this town. We ask that you pour out your spirit in biblical proportions. That we would see great miracles. Everything you promised in your word. More than all, that Father... Help us learn to lean into you, to love you more, and to go before you and your altar, not always asking, Lord, about please do this for us and please do that, but as David and Solomon and all the great, and Rebecca and all the great biblical leaders did, just let us come and sit in your presence and get to know you for who you are. For in that we know, Father, that's where the power is gained. That's where we get to understand that we don't need to understand. And we ask these things in your amazing name, Father. Amen.